0: Well, hello, uh, Baseline. It's so good to be with you today on this uh, first Sunday after Easter. And um, I hope that you were able to join us uh, last Sunday with uh, either the sunrise service or the 10 a.m. service, either one of those or both. And then, um, and then also we had the, the Zoom call at 11. And I have to tell you uh, that myself and the staff, we were so encouraged by being on that Zoom call with you, and it was so fun to see different people, individuals, and families popping onto that Zoom call, and it it really just reminded us, um, really how much we love you, how much we miss you, and uh, how um, much we're looking forward for when we can be together again sometime. So uh, hope that that was a great experience for you um, for you last Sunday, and um, today we're gonna we're gonna kind of continue in the the resurrection time of with jesus and we're going to be looking at john 21 and it's it's honestly a passage a section of scripture we looked at a lot oftentimes at this time right after easter because it really fits well but i was reminded this week that um the same passage of scripture can speak so differently to us depending on what the circumstances are that we're going in that that the scriptures in, in the bible speak to us very differently at different times. And I think with what we're going on right now with the coronavirus and sheltering in place, that what we'll look at today will speak a little differently and I hope will speak to you as, as it is really spoken to me uh, this week. So um, just a reminder as leading up into John uh, chapter 21 that um, Jesus was uh, crucified. And he, uh, he died on that Friday and his body was taken down and given to Joseph and to Nicodemus and the two of them put him uh, into a tomb. And then early on that Sunday morning, some women came to the tomb and they found that the stone had been rolled away, that Jesus was alive. And uh, they were told by an angel and by Jesus to go back to the disciples and tell them, and so they do. And then uh, Peter and John come running to the tomb And again they find it uh, empty and they're wondering what's going on later that day jesus shows himself to all of his disciples um, except for thomas and then a week later jesus again shows up and shows himself to thomas he says thomas look at my hands look at my side i'm alive and then uh, the disciples then head up to the sea of galilee and that's where we find them here in uh, John chapter 21 and um, Peter um, has been in the presence of Jesus twice and yet they haven't dealt with it and it meaning that Jesus uh, was denied by Peter three times on the night that Jesus was betrayed and so you have to guess that this is kind of still de- Peter's still dealing with this But by faith, uh, Peter and the other disciples make their way up to Galilee. It's about a 70 to 80 mile uh, journey to get up to Galilee. And and they're up there, and and Peter has got to have all sorts of emotions going on inside of him right now. Um, They're up there waiting by the Sea of Galilee. He's gotta be feeling some shame. Um, There's gotta be some anxiety about the future for him. He's gotta be wondering about his own worthiness to do what Jesus has called him to do, and and just all this stuff is going on inside of him. So then in in, chapter 21, verse three, this is what it says, "'I'm going out to fish,' Simon Peter told them. They said, "'We'll go with you.' So they went out, got into a boat. That night they didn't catch anything." So uh, Peter kinda just says, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know where Jesus is. I'm gonna go back, I think he's going, I'm gonna go back to what's comfortable. He was a fisherman before he started following after Jesus, and so he wants to get back out on the water. And I, I don't know if you're like me, but there's been, I've heard lots of stories about people who are kinda of going back to what's comfortable during these days. A lot of people are baking bread, a lot of people are just watching Netflix, or watching movies, or playing games, and, and all that stuff is all right but I think it's an effort to kind of get back to what feels comfortable to us. And he says, I'm gonna go out to fish, and then the disciples say, we'll go with you. And that phrase just grabbed me this week. We're gonna go with you. We're not gonna just let you go out there on your own, but we're we're gonna go with you. And again, I think that speaks to us today. Because as we're kind of physically isolating ourselves from one another, and we're under this whole idea of sheltering in place, but the temptation is to totally, socially isolate ourselves from one another or emotionally isolate ourselves from one another. And I just want to encourage each of us. Hey, let's go with folks today. Let's let's be intentional about coming alongside people. Let's um, call people up text them, write notes, Zoom calls, whatever it might be, but let's not allow people to go off on their own in these days. But let's be with one another. I thought that was just such a really interesting phrase, the disciples said. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman, um, so the only thing worse than going fishing for me would be to go fishing and not catch anything all night. And that's what happens to the disciples. And then we, in verse four, it catches up with what happens. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? So worse of just going fishing and not catching any fish is having somebody ask you, haven't you caught any fish? Right? So Jesus asked them, have you caught anything? And they said, no. Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Amazing miracle that Jesus uh, ha- happens has here with these guys. And so they're trying to pull all the fish in with their nets, and then verse seven, it says this, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, and, and we believe that's John. That John is the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. I mean, he is so grabbed by the fact that that is Jesus on the shore, that he jumps into the water with his clothes on and starts swimming in as fast as He can now this has happened to Peter before with Jesus one of the first times that that Peter um, met Jesus Jesus was teaching on his boat to a group of people on the shore and he said hey push off into deeper water let's uh, go fishing and and Peter says well you know we fished all night but we didn't catch anything Jesus says well let's try again so the next time they put down their nets again they can't hardly pull the nets up And that's when Peter says, uh, hey Jesus, get away from me, I am a sinful man. And Jesus says back to Peter, Peter from now on, follow me and I will make you a fisher of man. And from that point on, Peter starts following after Jesus and has this incredible ministry. So I'm thinking, as this is happening, when Peter jumps into the water and starts swimming to shore I think he thinks back to that moment where he first met Jesus and was first called to ministry. He's remembering the impact that Jesus has had on his life over the last three years. And he's probably also thinking about how he denied even knowing Jesus just a couple weeks earlier. But he keeps swimming and he keeps swimming and he keeps swimming. Says this in verse eight, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Again, the the fire is significant, I think. Um, On the night that that, uh, Peter denied even knowing Jesus, um, he was in a courtyard with a bunch of people and Jesus was in being tried in the house and he's standing outside with people by a fire. And three times people asked him, hey, you're one of his, right? He says, no, I don't even know him. And so I have to imagine, again, coming onto the beach, seeing a fire, again, just brings up these emotions, these thoughts that Peter is having to deal with. So then in verse 10, it says this, um, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back onto the boat He dragged the net to shore. It was full of large fish. There were 153 of them, but even with that many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I love that phrase, come and have breakfast. Come sit down. Let's have a meal together. Peter, rest of the disciples, let's sit and have breakfast. It's such a beautiful, gentle invitation. Jesus knows what Peter had done. He knows what they kind of have to deal with. But they're first going to have breakfast. And I love the fact that Jesus meets his disciples, that Jesus meets Peter, right where they're at. Right where they're at, (laughs) on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. You know, I think sometimes we get this image or this impression that you can only meet Jesus in a religious place, right? You can meet Jesus at church, or you can meet Jesus at a camp, or meet Jesus in a Bible study, or in a prayer group, or whatever. And and, let, and hopefully, we do meet Jesus in those places. But today, I want you to know that um, Jesus can meet you at your kitchen table today. That he can meet you out in your living room He can meet you as you're going on a walk with your family around the neighborhood. That wherever you are at, Jesus can meet you right there. And so one of the things with this season for us is I really hope that we take advantage of this time. And, And I've called it leaning into our relationship with Christ. And realize that wherever you're at, whatever emotions you're feeling, that Jesus will meet you right there. It doesn't need to be a religious setting. It could be around the kitchen table. It can be in the living room, it could be on a walk. That Jesus wants to lean into that with you. So there's been so many parallels here in terms of um, the night that uh, Peter denied Jesus. There's been the incredible catch of fish that would take him back to when he's first called. There's the fire that is set up and reminding him of that night. And so Jesus and Peter have some work to do. And so in verse 15, it says this. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, so he asks him, do you love me more than these? And again, it's it's an interesting phrase. Uh, Most of the biblical work I've done on this says that he's asking him, hey, hey, Peter, do you really love me more than the other disciples love me? Do, Do you love me more than Thomas or... John or James or because, again, taking him back to that night when he denied him earlier when they're having the Last Supper, Peter said, hey, Jesus, if everybody else leaves you, I will be there with you. If all these other guys scatter, I'm going to be there with you. And yet, sure enough, later that night, he even denies knowing it. So again, I think Jesus is just having Peter just deal with the stuff that's on the inside. Do you really love me more than these guys? Next question. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Second time. Third time, says this. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, there's great parallels with the three denials and the three questions. And, and there's some really interesting uh, understanding, I think, that comes from the, the Greek that's in here. Um so the first time Jesus asks Peter, he says, um, Peter, do you agape me? And, and we've talked about that word agape. It's the type of love that God has for us. It's, um, it's unconditional. It's sacrificial. It's willing to serve. Peter replies by saying, uh, Jesus, Lord, you know that I phileo you. I, I have a brotherly love, a, a great affection for you. Now these two words are often used interchangeably. There's a slight difference between the two. The second time, Jesus again says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter again answers, Lord, you know that I phileo you. The third time Jesus asks, he says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you have a deep affection for me? And that's when uh, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I Phileo you. You know that I have this deep affection for you. It's it's interesting to see. Is there something there that we want to need to gain from the scriptures? I believe what partially it's showing us is that Jesus desires us to have a love for Him which is committed which is willing to serve, which is willing to sacrifice for him. And he keeps asking Peter these questions because he knows that Peter needs to deal with these things. He needs to have this type of love. He needs to deal with his denial before he can become all that God wants him to be. He needs to deal with what has happened in the past before he can be the leader that God needs him to be in the future, right? When Jesus met him, he said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of man. Later on, he said to Peter, hey, uh, Simon, your name is Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. But Peter, first and foremost, needs to get in his heart and his mind that he deeply loves Jesus with everything he has before he can move on to what God is calling him to do. There, There needs to be restoration and restoring before Peter can become all that God wants him to be. You know, it's um, it's really interesting. I, I, this uh, reminds me of a story that Jesus told. It's one of the most famous stories that Jesus tells, actually. It's um, a story called The Prodigal Son. Uh a story of a, the young son who asks for his an inheritance and then goes off and he blows it in wild living and ends up in a... Uh, pigsty and is all messy and beat up and all that and he he realizes oh my goodness I just I got to get back home to my dad and I'll I'll just tell him I'm not worthy to be your son but I'll be a servant instead and so he's making this trip back to see his to his dad's house and and along the way he's rehearsing this uh, speech Uh, Lord I don't deserve to be or father I've sinned against you and against God I don't deserve to be your son Uh, just make me as a servant And he's coming up and as soon as he gets there his father comes running down the hill meets him before he even gets onto the property and grabs him and hugs him and kisses him and says this son of mine was lost but is now found he was dead but now he's alive come and celebrate that there's restoration that there's renewal you know, I was reminded this week, you know, on, um, on March 1st, we uh, started a, a kind of a season in our church called uh, Renew. And we were really seeking renewal in our own lives with Christ and in our life as a church. And then all this stuff has happened. And I, and I was reminded that we're still in the season of renewal. We're still there. And, and so I want you to imagine yourself sitting on the shore of Galilee with Jesus. And he says, come have breakfast. Let's sit for a while. Let's talk. And then a little bit on later on, he says, uh, hey, hey, let's deal with some stuff. There's, there's some things in your life. There's some stuff in my life. But Jesus says, there's some stuff in your life that we just need to restore. We need to redeem, we need to make new. And just imagine what that would be like to be in that setting and to have that conversation with Jesus. And to imagine what it's like to make that trip back to the Father and the Father meeting you, grabbing you, hugging you, giving you a kiss. And saying you were lost now you're found you're dead but now you're alive that's that's what had to happen to peter and that's what happened here on the shore he's restored and he's redeemed and he's readied for what god has for him in the future now it continues a little bit and we'll end with this this is what jesus says to him in verse 18 what i'm about to tell you is true When you were younger, you dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. Someone else will lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to point out how Peter would die. His death would bring glory to God. Then Jesus said to him, follow me. Now this must have been really hard for Peter to hear right? None of us want to hear that we aren't able to go where we want to go. We can't do what we want to do. We want to be independent. We want to kind of make it on our own. And that's probably one of the really frustrating times uh, or things about this time that we're in right now, is that we don't have control over this. And, And Peter one day will not have control over where he's taken. And tradition tells us that about 30, 33 years or so after this encounter with Jesus on the shore, that he's in Rome, and he is uh, killed for his faith. He's crucified. And he, uh, in fact, was crucified upside down because he didn't feel like it was right for him to be crucified the same way as his Lord was. That this is what following Jesus will get him to. But that is the call Jesus makes on Peter's life and on every one of our lives. Follow me. Just follow me. Follow me, get to know me, get to know how I live life, see how I love people, follow me. That's the call for every one of us. And that's what Peter had to be reminded of on this day, that it's really all about just following Jesus. But that's hard to do, and we'll see this as it continues here. in Verse 21, uh, Peter notices that John is kind of following along with them as Jesus and Peter are having this talk. And it says, when Peter saw that disciple, uh, John, he asked, Lord, what will happen to him? And Jesus answered, suppose I want him to remain alive until I return. What does that matter to you? You must follow me. You must just follow me right? We are so easily drawn to a place where we want to compare ourselves with others. We want to say, well, I'm better than that person as a Christian, but maybe not as good as that person. And what about them? And boy, they've got it easier than I do. Hey, we're not supposed to compare ourselves with each other. We're supposed to just follow Jesus for ourselves. We have a personal relationship with Jesus. That is, Is lived out in community and is lived out with others, but um, my life in Christ will look very different than yours. And so, one of the really detrimental things in the Christian faith is when we try to compare ourselves with one another. And Jesus just kind of shuts it down right away and says, Don't worry about John. Worry about yourself, Peter. You just have to follow me. And then one of the really beautiful things I've realized about this is that um, when you look at the beginning of the book of Acts, oftentimes it says, Peter and John went up to the temple. Peter and John went and did this. And they're doing ministry together. They're doing ministry together. They're different Their relationship with Jesus is different, but they are together doing the work of God for his kingdom. So, in these crazy times that we're in, I want you just to imagine again that Jesus says, hey, let's have breakfast together. Let's sit around your kitchen table. Let's hang out in the living room. Let's go for a walk. I'll meet you right where you're at today. I want you to know I love you. I want you to tell me that you love me and you're committed to me. And and what might there be in our lives that he wants to deal with? You see, Jesus, in every one of our lives, he wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He wants us to love others well. He wants us to care for the poor. He, He wants us to be examples of what it means to be one who loves others well. Sometimes we don't do that. And sometimes it just means hey don hey let's have a talk let's get breakfast together let's sit and chat for a while jesus will meet you right where you're at today let me pray for us so lord thank you that you care for us each of us individually that, Lord, you desire to meet us right where we're at. And so in these times, we, we come before you. And we just ask you to speak into our lives. Speak into those places that need to be restored and redeemed. Speak into those places where you've called us to uh, be different. And encourage us, Lord, for the ministry that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, We're going to sing a song right now as a way of responding to uh, what God might be speaking to you, how he loves you as a a father, and how he might want to speak to us during these days.